Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, warriors for the truth. Thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing this podcast, because you are the reason that we get out there. We do not advertise, and we are censored and shadow banned and all those wonderful things that many of our friends in the conservative uh, movement and writers and our friends in ministry have undergone in uh, various levels. But today we're going to talk about very important and interesting Topic based on an article called A World Without the West by Selwyn Duke. Um, but I want to remind you guys to check out redpillprints.com. They are friends of ours. They're a, a small business from Canada who found our podcast a year and a half ago or two years ago and said, hey, we want to do some merch for you guys. And now we've got over two dozen items at redpillprints.com or you can go to standupforthetruth.com and click on merch and you'll see t-shirts, hats, water bottles, coffee, mugs, and all kinds of good things. So check that out. It indirectly supports us and the vendors that they use are high quality. I've been very pleased. I ordered at least a dozen items so far. But uh, in the second half of today's podcast, we're going to talk about a new report that ties the Biden regime funding to the International Fund for Public Interest Media to censor and silence alternative media. That's right. It seems to be a new plank in the Democrat Party platform, but we'll talk about that. Also, very important article at Front Page Magazine, why hasn't the FDA recalled the COVID vaccines? Also, we've got a story about a teenager who transitioned as a minor and now, she, of course, she's trying to detransition, but the healthcare industry will not help her detransition, although they were all eager to help her, quote, transition. Um, but now she's t- trying to detransition. We'll talk a little bit about that. And a Christian college takes a stand and cancels a group's concert because one and or two members of the group are, are LGBTQ affirming or whatever. And we'll talk about the details on that. Um, well, today, I'm very thankful to have a brand new guest on with us. His name is Selwyn Duke. He's a writer for the New American Magazine, and he's also written for The Hill, Observer, The American Conservative, World Net Daily, American Thinker, and many others. In addition, he's contributed to college textbooks, and um, he's appeared on TV, a frequent guest on radio. His website is selwynduke.com. Uh, Selwyn, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. David, great being with you. How yeah. are you today? Hey, doing well. I'm excited to talk about this very important uh, article that you wrote because a lot of people, if they're under 35, <laughs> maybe even under 40, they may not have gotten the true history of America and the West and world history um, in school, college, university, even the high school level. So we're going to talk about what people have forgotten. And I just want to quote you. Um, you said, we should rather mount an offense, an offense for Western civilization, understanding a simple truth. It is the greatest civilization ever to grace this planet. 
man's crowning achievement. It has transformed the world in myriad ways. And Selwyn, I just want to, first of all, before we get into your article, just share a little bit about uh, your background and what you're working on, what you have been working on recently. Yeah, well, actually, I just completed a magazine piece for The New American on whether or not Jesus was a socialist, and I think you know what my conclusion was. (laughs) (laughs) Great. But there are people who... Yeah. Yeah, the editor said, now, I hope the answer is not going to be yes. We're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> he was getting around. Yeah. Well, that's an important yeah, so Because that's... of the social justice movement and that how that's crept into the church and socialism and the lies, really the lies about socialism, which um, too many have believed even uh, well-meaning Christians, you know. So let's talk about that. What compelled you to write the new article that's in the New American Magazine a world without the West. Why did you decide to tackle this topic? Okay, well, I think my editor suggested it, but of course I was on board right away because we have seen in recent decades, especially this unrelenting and intensifying attack on Western civilization. And of course, it's very, very dangerous because we're all aboard this ship. And if we sink it, we all go down this ship, the West. And Mm -hmm. the truth is it also, as you quoted, transformed the world. You destroy the West and Western norms, and we're going to enter a new dark age. That's the bottom line. So that's what inspired me to write it. So one of the things that in the description of the article I got from um, the publisher, um, you look at common anti-American grievances and narratives that have become popular among those indoctrinated by media and academia. Now, these are huge problems, as you know, Selwyn. You've been writing about these issues for I don't know how many years. I I might say decades, um, as I have. And it's it's really concerning that people are believing America is such a dark, evil place and a bad influence on the world. So where do you start by combating that? Well, what you can really do is start simply with the truth and... The truth will set you free, of course. Amen. But yes, absolutely. We have had, like I said, this attack upon the West, and it's borne fruit, unfortunately. You look at the statistics, the polls, and you'll see how many young people have been indoctrinated with this idea that the West is a terrible entity. They believe it. I mean, there was a YouGov poll recently, David, that found that 42% of young Britons think it should be taught in the UK that Britain was founded on racism and remains structurally so. And it's really very comical when you think about it, because the UK, or at least England, was founded many, many centuries ago, back when it was basically homogeneous. We only had one race there at the time. And Mm. back then, people's conception of race was far different than it is today. So it's comical. And then there was another study, I think it indicated that only 27% of young Americans are proud to be American. And this just speaks volumes. Then there was this fellow who was the head of the World Soccer Organization. I think it was FIFA. He had or they had an event in Qatar, which I know they call Qatar nowadays. I don't know why (laughs) recently. And, of course, someone asked him about the human rights record of Qatar. And I guess he didn't know what to say. So what he did was he just launched an attack upon the West. He said, well, with what the West has been doing for the last 3,000 years, we should be apologizing for the next 3,000 years. And 
quite frankly, Infantino, that's his name, was being very infantile, because mm-hmm. the truth is what the West has been doing for most of that 3,000 years is, again, improving the world and creating the greatest civilization this Earth has ever seen. And stop me if I'm going on too long, no, David. But no. There are basically four raps against the West that I address in my essay. If you can think of anything else, that's fine. But they are slavery, colonization, the violation of human rights, and more recently, climate change. And we can go through all four of those things if you're interested. Absolutely. But, yeah, basically, slavery is a very easy one to address. Now, we're told that we have to teach about slavery, and I want to get into that because that's a myth. We don't actually have to, quote, teach about slavery. But the main thing people have to understand about slavery is this, and it's a striking fact of history, David. Mm -hmm. The West might not have been the first entity to practice slavery, but guess what? It was the first entity to eliminate it. And that's something we can really hang our hats on. That's something we should be proud of, because you have to remember that slavery was status quo throughout the world. It's one of the world's oldest institutions. It was unquestioned at one time. And then finally, people in the West realized, wait a second, This is not right. This is contrary to God's will. This has to be eliminated. And, of course, it took time. These things always do. But that's what we did. And you know what had happened for the first time in the United States, as far as I know? In 1777, Vermont, a year after we declared our independence, instituted some laws directed towards eliminating slavery. Mm -hmm. In 1777, that soon. Mm-hmm. So it really is a striking fact of history. And actually, there's something I want to say about this that I don't have in my article. Because you hear, we had a controversy down in Florida surrounding this, David, mm-hmm. that, well, you have to teach black history. And that means teaching about slavery. Now, I don't know why anyone should think that that's the main part of black history. But exactly. that's what they say. And Ron DeSantis down in Florida, his people recently eliminated or prohibited this AP curriculum that was very, very neo-Marxist in its nature and was teaching queer studies as part of the slavery studies. But then here's the thing, David. The conservatives will defend this by saying, wait a second, wait a second. It's not that we're not teaching about slavery. We are teaching about slavery. We're just doing it in a different way. Now, that's a big mistake. (laughs) That's a good example. And I'm going to explain why of what G.K. Chesterton talked about when he said, quote, the business of progressives is to go on making mistakes. The business of the conservatives is to make sure mistakes aren't corrected. Now, why do I say this? Well, it's very simple. What is the purpose of teaching kids history? Well, I'll analogize it. If you have a young child, David, at some point, maybe when he's seven years old, he's going to want to know something about the family history, right? So maybe you tell them about how mommy and daddy met, a cute little story relating to that, why they liked each other so much, or what grandpa's claim to fame was. But would you do this? Would you say, well, you know, kiddo, I have to be honest with you. Mom was around the block a few times. (laughs) She was with a lot of men, and she had a couple of abortions in there. I can't lie. And daddy, oh, he was no saint. He was... Caught with drugs when he was 19, possession with the intent to strip uh, to distribute, and you know something he would have done a stretch in the pokey too. But Grandpa had some money, and he knew the local prosecutor, and he could re- grease his palms. Would you continue in that vein? 
you wouldn't do that because you would be scandalizing the family. And that's very misguided. You don't do that. There's no purpose to that, okay? Hopefully, mommy and daddy have reformed themselves and are better people. And you talk about the positive because, as Lincoln said, at least this is attributed to him, if you look for the worst in someone, you're sure to find it. And that's not just true of one person. It's true of a group of people. And it's also true of a nation. But the purpose of teaching kids history is not to lay out all of a nation's sins before the kids and make the kids think that their nation is some kind of misbegotten land. Mm. No, the purpose of teaching kids history is very, very simple. You can only teach a minuscule percentage of history, maybe one-tenth of one percent. Okay, and you're supposed to give them a basic grasp of your civilization, how it was formed, how it functions, and you're supposed to inculcate them with national pride. That's it. That's the purpose of history. And that's where you start. And that's why we don't need to be teaching about slavery, except insofar as saying what I mentioned earlier, David, which is that the West was not the first entity to practice slavery, but it was the first entity to eliminate it. Exactly. So that's straight dope on slavery, you might say. Well, yeah, and also, well, beyond that, and people's ignorance of America abolishing, working to abolish slavery from the earliest, you know, you know, days after the, um, after 1776, 1777, as you mentioned, there are other countries, if you look at in recent years, now, you know, this is understanding kids are being taught America is bad, slavery in America and all that. Now, Ethiopia, for example, had slavery until 1942, Saudi Arabia until 1962, Peru until 1964, India until 1976. So, And also it still exists to this day in places in Africa, Sudan. And here we are looking at America and, and just isn't part of the plan to destroy and dismantle the nation. So you have to condition the young people that are growing up in the education system and academia, they're they're told to believe that we are an evil nation. So we've got to be completely, almost deconstructed. Is that accurate? Oh, it absolutely is accurate. I mean, there are people who have that motivation. Now, Willie Munzenberg, who was a communist activist who lived in, I believe, the early and mid-1900s, he reportedly said, I'm paraphrasing now, we're going to make the West so rotten it stinks. And that's a fait accompli. It absolutely is. Now, don't get me wrong. Most of what we see does happen organically. Yuri Bezmenov, the defector, he was a Soviet defector who defected to the West in 1970. And then he would give speeches and do seminars about communist subversion in the West. As he put it, most of this is done by Americans and to Americans. But the motivation you speak of generally absolutely does exist. But when I say most of what occurs occurs organically, what I mean is, is that unfortunately, David, we have something that's a lot worse than just a conspiracy. We have people who have been morally corrupted, whose moral foundation is so flawed that they gravitate towards things that are evil. Mm. And Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, he discussed this thousands of years ago. He talked about how early formation of children was very, very important. And he said that ideally a child should be raised in an atmosphere of nobility and grace so that he'll develop an emotional attachment to virtue. So then when he reaches the age of reason, he'll be more likely to accept the dictates of reason. 
Unfortunately, though, the exact opposite can happen far more easily, David. A child can be inculcated with an erotic, meaning emotional in this sense, attachment to vice, in which case when he grows up, he'll resist the dictates of reason. And that's what's happened with Mm. leftists. By the way, if anyone wants to know, that's what defines a leftist. When you talk to a leftist and you find out that you cannot reason with the person, the person operates on an emotional level and just repel or goes away from virtue, reacts to it like a vampire does to a cross, that is the reason why. Because the person has an emotional attachment to vice and the ideology that he gravitates towards as an adult, consequently, will be very vice-reflecting, will mm-hmm. be an outgrowth of vice. That is absolutely the reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love the point. That, oh, well, I just want to mention a point that you made in the article that really opened my eyes because you hear that we are one of the greatest exporters of pornography and uh, we are all LGBTQ, all DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. We're pushing all these anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-biblical um, ideologies. And you say that the spreading of sexual de-evolutionary, devolutionary, devolutionary rot throughout the world results from its own rebellion against its own Western tradition. And you say people advancing such agendas are avowedly anti-Western and seek the civilization's demise, end quote. I I love that point, Selwyn, because we tend to go, okay, yes, we can't deny the fact that we are exporters of evil in this nation now, unfortunately, but it's not the Christian values. It's not the Christians. It's not those who believe in the Constitution and, you know, God that are exporting these values. I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, look, obviously... When I said what I said before, that we shouldn't be harping on our sins or our alleged sins, I'm not saying that you never acknowledge what's wrong with your civilization. To quote Chesterton again, saying my country right or wrong is like saying my mother drunk or sober. (laughs) The bottom line is that you want to become better, and you can only do that if first you recognize your flaws, because the first step towards eliminating a problem is acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And insofar as we are doing evil, as you said The problem is that we're spreading sexual devolutionary rot around the world today. That's what I call it, the sexual devolution, not the sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. It's a better way to phrase it, actually, to frame it. Absolutely. But that represents a rebellion against our Western traditions. It does not represent them. Yes. And this rebellion, of course, is being affected by the very people who hate the West and want to destroy it. It harks back to what Willie Munzenberg reportedly said, we're going to make the West so rotten it stinks. I mean, that's what's Mm -hmm. going on here. And it really is very, very disgusting, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the climate change battle and those who want now. I I couldn't believe when I read certain articles recently, they were talking about climate reparations. What on earth is that? And where do they get this? Yeah, well, that's the idea that somehow we have damaged the Earth, maybe irreparably, because we have been spewing so much CO2 into the atmosphere, and this has been inordinately hurting third world countries, so consequently, we owe them money, we owe them reparations, that's the whole idea anyway, and it's completely nonsensical, I mean, first of all, I don't subscribe to the anthropogenic global warming thesis, I don't think you do either, but the truth is, is that if you get into it, 
you realize that the West is not the problem in terms of the environment. Actually, it's the solution. Okay, and what do I mean here? Well, you have to remember something. One of the countries that's all, and I'll just give you one example on these climate reparations is Pakistan, and of course it is because the government there wants a handout. Mm-hmm. Now, people in Pakistan and people elsewhere have said, "Well, there have been floods in Pakistan recently, and they were terrible, devastating, and that's because of climate change, and the West is responsible for that, so we owe them reparations." Well, here's the thing, though. If you look at the facts, you see that the floods in Pakistan have nothing to do with so-called climate change. They have to do with deforestation. When Pakistan won its independence in 1947, David, one-third of their landmass was covered with forests. Now that figure is one-twentieth. Okay. Wow. Now, this is significant because if you look at the West, the United States in particular, you will see, as I said, We're doing very well with the environment. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. We have more forested area in the United States now than we had 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. The air and water are cleaner now in the United States than they were 60 years ago. We're doing very, very well. And why this? Well, it's for a simple reason. There are two prerequisites for having a healthy environment. One is prosperity and one is freedom in the sense of being able to choose your leaders. Mm -hmm. Why? Okay, it's very simple. If you look at despotic regimes, such as the Soviet Union, China today, Saddam Hussein's Iraq, you'll see that they always rape the environment. There really don't seem to be any exceptions. In the Soviet Union, Stalin drained the Aral Sea to the point where it got down to 10 to 15 percent of its normal size. There was a lake there. Its name escapes me right now. But they dumped Soviets did so much nuclear waste into creeks and rivers that fed into that lake that that lake became so radioactive that it said that if you stood on its shores for an hour, you could receive a perhaps lethal dose of radiation. Now it's under concrete. In Iraq, Saddam Hussein poisoned the marshes there and drained them. Okay, and they also were reduced from their original size. Now they've been restored to some degree. But the point is this. Unless people can hold their leaders accountable, things like that will happen. Because in these despotic regimes like China today, you can't sue anyone when the government destroys the environment. There are no environmentalist organizations to raise a stink. If anyone does that, they'll be put in something like a gulag. So you have to have the capacity to choose your leaders. Second thing. Why is prosperity a prerequisite for a good environment? Well, there's a Chinese saying, David, that pertains to this. It goes like this. When there's food on the table, there are many problems. When there's no food on the table, there's only one problem. Mm. And, of course, what that means is that when people are desperate and they're suffering privation, they're not worried about killing the last white rhino. They're not worried about clear-cutting jungle They're just trying to put food on the table and shoes on their kids' feet. So whether we like it or not, environmentalism, which I like to call conservationism, is a luxury of wealthy people. And, yeah, we should be good shepherds of the earth. Mm -hmm. But, again, you need to have those two prerequisites, freedom and prosperity. And what this means is that the truth is the polar opposite of what the anti-Western devolutionaries say. They'll say... Well, if the rest of the world becomes like us, everything's going to be unsustainable and we're doomed. No, the truth is the rest of the world, the third world, must become 
like us. Mm-hmm. Free in a positive sense and prosperous. So the message there is not go west, young man, but go western, yes. young third world man. That's the solution. Exactly. Great article, Selwyn. And by the way, friends, we're speaking with Selwyn Duke. You spell his name S-E-L-W-Y. N Duke, and you can get his uh, website. You can pull that up. You can also go to the New American magazine. That's thenewamerican.com. You quote Ben Shapiro in your article, and I love that he says when you're quoting, he wrote a very similar uh, How the West Changed the World for the Better, and he says, thanks to the West, billions of human beings no longer suffer in abject poverty. Thanks to the West, democracy is seen as both the moral and the practical default position for aspiring governments. Thanks to the West, individualism has been able to gain ground against the national or the, the natural tribalism endemic to human beings. And it goes on. So a lot of benefits listed. We can talk about so many others, Selwyn. Just to wrap up, we've got five minutes left, but we're talking about advances in, in uh, just not only education, but what about the medical industry? What about compassion? What about nonprofits and, and, and I'm thinking of uh, helping the world, not just America, like the Salvation Army, the Red Cross. I would love for you to share more thoughts on what America has done for the world, because your article is World Without the West, and some people would like to see it go that way, but they don't realize what they're talking about. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you really can't list the accomplishments that the West has in its category or that it can lay claim to. I mean, the fact is, is, look, no great civilization emerges in isolation, as Thomas Sowell has pointed out. Mm. There's no question about that. So the West has drawn from other entities as well. I mean, for instance, we've gotten our numbers system from elsewhere. And that's the old principle that two heads are better than one. And by the way, that's why the whole idea of cultural appropriation is so completely idiotic, because that is the very source of civilization. What people do is they originate ideas and they invent things, and then what other people do is they take the best from everyone Mm -hmm. and they amalgamate that into even something better. But if you look at the West, yes, absolutely, we've created the whole modern world. I mean, first of all, these legal systems and political systems, representative government was unknown before the West came on the scene. Basically, it originated in ancient Greece, as most people know, in Athens, but it was developed from there. And then, of course, if you're talking about all the luxuries we enjoy, I mean, refrigeration, flush toilets, airplanes, computers, I mean, you name it, everything we count on. Mm. Modern medicine, as you mentioned, the university system, that the West originated. There are just so many things. A world without the West would be a very, very dark place. In fact, I dare say that there's a good chance much of it would be living in the Stone Age still. I mean, Mm. the Chinese wouldn't because they have a very old civilization, but they stagnated at one point. So there's so many great things you could say about the West. And I don't know how much time we have, but we probably should touch on colonization, too, because that's something else that's blamed on the West. Just three minutes left if you you can condense that a little bit for us. Okay, yeah. The truth is this, that there is no correlation whatsoever between nations being poor and having been a colony, because Mm -hmm. that's the rap against the West today. I mean, you look at the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, countries like those, they were colonies at one time, but they're among the richest nations in the world. On the other hand, David, there are countries like Ethiopia, Liberia, Tibet, Nepal, they were never colonies, and they're among 
the poorest countries in the world, or mm. if they were colonies, they were for only a few years. Yep. And the bottom line is this. People don't understand that actually colonization was very, very expensive. For instance, in the run-up to World War One, Germany had more expenses relating to its African colonies than it did revenues coming in from those African colonies. And not only that, Thomas Sowell points this out, but the colonies derived benefits from colonization. And that's always the case when you have a civilization that's superior technologically, maybe culturally, and it colonizes a civilization that's not as advanced in those respects. The less advanced civilization will benefit. The same thing happened in Roman times when the Romans, let's say, colonized Britain, which happened. Mm. So anyway, yes, I know we don't have much time. The last thing I wanted to touch on was the violation of human rights. The West is also implicated there. But we yep. originated the whole concept of human rights <laughs> to begin with. Yes. <laughs> so the truth is, when these people criticize the West, they're doing it within the context of the yardstick for goodness that the West gave us in the first place. Yep. It's a little to analogize it, David, like saying you have a guy who originated perfect golf technique, and then you start excoriating him because he himself can't exhibit it perfectly. It's absolutely <laughs> idiotic. You can never live up to an ideal anyway. That's the very nature of an ideal, if it truly is ideal in the sense of being perfect. Excellent, uh, Selwyn. I can't believe you got that all in there in the uh, in the in the time that we have. So thank you so much. We really appreciate. It. I want to encourage you guys to check out the article. We will have it linked at StandUpForTheTruth.com dot com in today's blog. It's called "A World Without the West." And SelwynDuke.com. com. What are you working on next, brother? Well, I'm going to work on a couple of online articles. Actually, one is going to be on so-called transgenderism, but I'm writing all the time. Yep, well, so praise God. transgenderism is ridiculous. Well, thanks, and we appreciate your voice of reason and sanity and for truth, and we'll have to have you back. Thanks for ha coming on the podcast. SelwynDuke.com. Thank you, God bless. God bless. Thanks, brother. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the new report about Biden going for censorship in America and why hasn't the FDA recalled the COVID vaccines and more. Coming up. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. Okay, before we get to the articles, I just want to mention some of the life-changing biblical principles that Christianity, through the West, through North America, and the United States in particular, helped the world in the value and sanctity of every human life, the abolition of slavery, the dignity and respect given to women, the stability of the family, advances in science, hospitals, health care, labor ethic and practices, economic freedom, educating the poor, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, reforming laws to protect the weak, art, literature, architecture, education, philosophy, compassion, charity, justice, and equality, not in the modern LGBTQ definition of equality or so-called, but true equality. So under God, um, these are things that we can thank God for and thank God for really the United States. Well, I'm not saying the United States is not exporting some garbage and evil, but it's not from the Christian foundation that that comes from. It's from those who would rebel against God. Um, so we think we established that in the first segment with Selwyn Duke. Okay, this new report ties the Biden regime funding to the International Fund 
for public interest media to censor and silence alternative media. Let's break this down really briefly. So uh, the administration was working through Samantha Power, the administrator of the U.S. Agency for International Development, to censor alternative media by utilizing the International Fund for Public Interest Media. Now, the founding partners... Um, let's just skip this. We just don't have enough time. Let's, let's just move on to the nuts and bolts of this. So we're talking Twitter. We're talking Facebook. We're talking the things that uh, we have all experienced, some sort of a deletion or censorship, shadow banning like we have here. Um, we know today that when they say falsehoods or when they say, quote, disinformation, what the Biden administration means, and the, the Democrats on the left, the Democrats that are in charge of the media, they mean that things that go against their anti-Christian worldview, things that challenge their ideologies. For example, when it comes to COVID in the last two, three years, their, what they believe, their talking points, their narrative, their statements, their policies. So they're partnering with these... The administrator emphasized that USAID, USAID, is pleased to partner with IFPIM to advance efforts to support free and independent media as part of the presidential initiative for democratic renewal. There it is. Um, and then uh, Ms. Ressa exchanged ideas about the most effective tools and partnerships for addressing information and discussed the importance of holding major social media and technology companies accountable for the spread of falsehoods on their platform. Stop right there. The Biden administration gave tens of millions of taxpayer dollars to a global disinformation index partner and funder. Millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars went to IFPIM, which was founded uh, by BBC Media Action. The BBC founded the Trusted News Initiative, which is allegedly responsible for much of the global censorship on COVID. Per the lawsuit brought forth by Robert Kennedy Jr. and Jim Hoft from the Gateway Pundit. And Robert Kennedy Jr., the Children's Health Defense website. I highly recommend that. So the, these are, this is very interesting. Uh, the usual culprits are involved here with the BBC and, and the globalists. Um, we're looking at the American or the Associated Press, the AP, um, CBC, Radio Canada, European Broadcasting Union, Financial Times, Google, YouTube, the Hindu, the Nation Media Group, Meta, which is Facebook, Microsoft, Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism, and you have to put journalism in air quotes, right? Twitter, the Washington Post, um, Pakistan, uh, Indian Express, uh, NDTV India, ABC Australia, and NHK Japan. So you can look at this article. Uh, there's, it's a little detailed, but basically this report ties the Biden Democrats and their funding, tens of millions of dollars, sent out to these global uh, groups, the International Fund for Public Interest Media, to censor and silence alternative media. What do they mean? People that disagree with their narrative. So we will put that in the podcast blog at standupforthetruth.com. Now, 
got to move on quickly here. A teenager who transitioned as a minor now says healthcare industry won't help her de-transition. I wonder why. So 18-year-old, I, we've reported on this uh, briefly, but her name is Chloe Cole, C-O-L-E. She began puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones when she was just 13 years old. So that means the thinking of this, she had to start believing she was a certain way or a certain thing like transgender when she was 12 or maybe 11 or maybe 10 years old. So this goes way back. But she started actually taking action when she was 13. And the um, healthcare industry just gleefully got on board and said, sure, here are your puberty blockers. And she uh, went through a double mastectomy when she was 15 years old. Okay, so she began gender-affirming treatment for gender dysphoria as a minor, and the medical team was glad to help her. They were happy about it. Interesting, the double standard now. She wants to detransition. Um she found that there were no standards of care for how to assist her through this process. In other words, to reverse anything, to detransition. She said, quote, I started experiencing gender dysphoria when I was about 12 years old, and I started socially transitioning, first by changing my name, the way I dressed, the way I cut my hair, and my mannerisms, and then eventually I got diagnosed with gender dysphoria. And at 13, I was put on puberty blockers and testosterone. I had a double mastectomy, mastectomy at 15. Just after my sophomore year of high school, I stopped, then I stopped transitioning at 16. Um, so she was part of a panel discussion at CPAC recently called A Time for Courage. She went on to explain that uh, California law required insurers to cover her transition as a minor. But there was no such requirement to cover her if she wanted to go off of puberty, puberty blockers and hormones, which are included in, quote, gender-affirming treatment protocol that the medical community often mischaracterizes as, quote, temporary and something which a patient can stop at any time. She said, quote, I'm from California, and by law, insurance companies are supposed to cover every single step of the transition process. And um, then they reply no when asked if they can cover D-transition. So I think we understand the agenda here. If they are only, for example, let's just talk about this when it comes to a woman being pregnant in the workplace. Um, Planned Parenthood is thrilled that most corporations and a lot of businesses will cover uh, an employee's abortion or pay for them, even to go across state lines in some cases to get an abortion, and they'll cover that time. But if a woman wants to have a baby, they will sometimes not cover the pregnancy and the delivery of that. It's an interesting thing that they'll cover one thing and not the other. This is all about ideology, all about the godless ideologies that are promoted and called good, evil being called good, Isaiah 520. Now, very important article as we transition to another topic really in the same theme, why hasn't the FDA recalled the COVID vaccines? It starts off by quoting um, just anonymous. Imagine a vaccine so safe you have to be threatened to take it for a disease so deadly you have to be tested to know you have it. And it starts off by saying recently a dog food product was recalled because it could make pets sick. A few days prior to that, a thyroid medication for humans was also recalled by the FDA. 
and because it had something to do with possible blood pressure. And then another medication was withdrawn because it contained a cancer-causing impurity. The FDA also recently recalled chocolates because they might contain nuts in them since some people might be allergic to nuts. In the past, thousands of bags of lettuce were recalled because one bag was found to have listeria, even though nobody had become sick, which begs the question, why haven't the COVID vaccines been recalled? The other products, whether dog food or lettuce or, or, or another medication, was recalled because they could be harmful. But now let's talk about the facts. The COVID vaccines have been conclusively shown to be not only detrimental, but in many cases fatal. They have been linked to the rise in sudden deaths. Otherwise, normal, healthy persons have dropped dead, particularly in young athletes. Let's just go through a few instances. At the risk of being redundant, because we have talked about this quite a bit on this podcast, a 12-year-old suddenly collapsed and died during football practice. An 18-year-old suddenly died playing basketball. A 43-year-old died suddenly while playing tennis. A healthy 21-year-old died in his sleep. A 35-year-old coach died in front of his class. An 18-year-old dropped dead from cardiac arrest. A kindergarten girl died. An 18-year-old MMA star died for unknown reasons. A 24-year-old flight attendant suddenly collapsed and died. A 9-year-old boy died from a blood clot. We could go on, but it's very interesting that the mainstream media in English-speaking countries has steadfastly refused to publicize these cases of sudden deaths. True cases, true news stories for those bold enough to mention them or cover them, but they don't even, the media and the left, they don't even mention the studies, which really, (laughs) let's just move ahead to the UK, because I don't want to beat a dead horse here too much. In the UK, activists passed dozens and dozens of pictures of persons, or I'm sorry, pasted. They pasted dozens and dozens of pictures of persons who had suffered debilitating side effects from the injections, the COVID vaccines, all along the BBC offices. Dozens and dozens of pictures of people who have suffered debilitating side effects from the vaccines since the BBC like its Canadian and American counterparts, are engaging in news blackout on the subject. Friends, it's happening in America. Fifty years ago, our great-grandparents said that could never happen in America, but I'll clearly say this is communist policy. When you put out one narrative or one set of talking points, your, quote, information and you label everything else on the other side, something that would disagree or even not even, you can't even have a debate because that is, quote, misinformation. And then they censor or silence you in the different ways that they have done in the last couple of years. That, my friend, is communist policy in America. Now, many scientific journals have proven the toxicity of the COVID injections and more papers are being published as we speak. The primary adverse effects have been thrombosis, blood clots, myocarditis, pericarditis. Other Others include stroke, Bell's palsy, um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome, particularly in children but also in adults, 
And it's curious that the injections seem to stimulate a resurgence of cancers that have, that have been in remission. That's interesting. I'm sure we will read more and more about that as the days and weeks and months go on. But this article says, I urge the reader to read the published studies from the medical journals and not listen to the news. Don't listen to one side. And I would just say, if you've had your mind made up all along, please be open to the truth and to the facts. The scientific studies, as well as the warnings from doctors and nurses nurses in clinical practice, have been labeled misinformation by, quote, journalists. Now I'm putting the air quotes around journalists, and you better do that. I mean, from here on in, I started doing that in 2010 when I started blogging about media bias. Way back then, that was, what, 23 years? Um, was No, 10, 13 years ago. Um, so the media refuses to publicize the studies, the warnings, the truth proclaimers and defenders, and the media has carried out a constant campaign of demonizing dissenters. Uh, their campaign has been subtle and not so subtle in their tactics. Now, let's talk about um, the COVID injections not being true vaccines. I'm, again, forgive me if this is redundant to some of you. But a vaccine is the introduction of an inert form of a pathogen into the body in order to create antibodies. Okay, that's what a vaccine is and does. Now, the COVID vaccines are an experimental approach called gene therapy using mRNA. And when you say experimental, you have to parenthetically insert unpredictable, really unpredictable. Uh, but here's the other part of this that's not just uh, physical or medical. Many persons lost their jobs, their careers. Others were denied medical care, access, for their refusal to bow to the pressure to accept these injections into their bodies. What about my body, my choice, right? Doesn't I guess that doesn't apply here when it comes to having a foreign substance injected into your body, into your arm. No, 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 they're not pro-choice when it comes to that. And some, sadly, are still being denied medical care. Um, yeah, we're, we're in a very dangerous place here in America, but not, sur- not by surprise for most of us who have been paying attention. The, the sickening irony, of course, is that it has now been shown, proven, that the COVID injections do not prevent contagion, and even seem to facilitate contagion. What, what, what also do we know? Thanks, thank you to Rand Paul and many others. Um, natural immunity is best for preventing the spread of the virus. Natural immunity. God-given immunity and our antibodies. The CDC is recommending still children even less than a year, receive the injections. The first starting at six months of age. The CDC is recommending this. So that is by, article is by Armando Simone over at Front Page Magazine. Why hasn't the FDA recalled the COVID vaccines? And I think, unfortunately, friends, we know why. Interesting, this completely different topic came across my newsfeed 
Uh, in a flashback, this story came up in uh, Facebook memories from five years ago. Talk about it's, it's here's the title: Christian-owned bridal shop closes after death threats. As you know, um, the culture and social media are clamping down on Christian and conservative content and values, and the preachers of tolerance have, in recent years, been some of the most intolerant people toward those of us who would just want to believe the Bible and trust God and that his word is true and the Bible is inerrant. So again, death threats. This was five years ago, and the Christian-owned bridal shop in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, had to close its doors. It was called the W.W. Bridal Boutique. It shut down uh, March 31st after controversy erupted over their policy that uh, they just didn't want to cater to same-sex weddings. I mean, there are other bridal shops that people can go to, but no, 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 just like... Jack Phillips, the baker in Colorado, learned that's not good enough. Oh, you can't believe that. You you must serve us. We demand it. And so goes freedom of choice in America. Well, let's mention briefly th- this. I wanted to talk about the Judeo-Christian values that we often, the, the term is often used frequently, and they're precious they have done so much good for America, the West, and the world. And let's talk about briefly 10 core values. Number one, there is a God. There is one God. That God is the God that introduced to the world the Hebrew Bible, the source of one universal morality. The Bible, the only Bible Jesus knew and <laughs> Uh, from which he frequently cited, introduced the most revolutionary moral idea in history that there are objective moral truths. This is number two. Just as there are mathematical and scientific truths, without God as the source of moral standards, there is no moral truth. There are only moral opinions, aside from God. That's number two. Core value number three. Because there are moral truths, good and evil, are the same for all people. In other words, someone can't say, well, that's my truth, you have your truth. No, good and evil are the same because God is the foundation and there are moral standards. Because of him, there is truth and we can know the truth. Number four, God, not man, not government, not popular opinion, not democratic vote. God is the source of our rights. All men, as it says, quote, are endowed by their creator with certain Unalienable rights, declares the American Declaration of Independence. Judeo-Christian value number five. The human being is created in the image of God. Therefore, each human being is precious. Therefore, race is of no significance. Since we are all created in God's image, and God has no race. One blood, one race. Number six, the world is based on a divine order, meaning divinely ordained distinctions. Among these divine distinctions are God and man, man and woman, human and animal, good and evil, nature and God, the holy and the profane. This is a divine order. 
Number seven, man is not basically good. Christians speak of original sin in referring to man's sinful nature. Jews cite God himself in Genesis. The will of man's heart is evil from his youth, Genesis 8.21. They are not identical beliefs, but they are both worlds apart from the naive enlightenment belief that man is basically good. And next, uh, number eight, therefore we must not follow our hearts. <laughs> That's bad advice, right? Follow your heart. <laughs> Both religious Jews and Christians are keenly aware of how morally dangerous it is to be led by our emotions. Those who reject Judeo-Christian values are far more likely to promote the advice, follow your heart. Number nine, God gave us the Ten Commandments, the core of Judeo-Christian values. Therefore, to apply uh, but one of the Ten Commandments to our morally confused secular age, you must honor your father and mother, even if they voted for someone you loathe, <laughs> meaning, at the least, remain in contact with them and do not dare deprive them of the right to be in contact with their grandchildren. That's just one they, that uh, Dennis Prager threw in there. Number ten, human beings have free will. This, uh, this is a Judeo-Christian value and principle. In the secular world, there is no free will because all human behavior is attributed to biology and environment. Only a religious worldview, because it posits the existence of a divine soul, something independent of biology and environment, allows for free will. So that's very, that's like a crash course in what are Judeo-Christian values. I just thought that was really good. It was published again over at the stream uh, from Dennis Prager. But... Um, the other article, I just want to mention the headline and ba- briefly what happened. We, we don't need to read the details. And that is that a Christian college in Pensacola took a stand against a group's concert citing the contradiction of Scripture. There's a group called the King's Singers, and they were invited to this college, this Christian college, and they said, wait a minute, when they found out that apparently one or two members were gay. According to a statement Posted on the college's Facebook page, the college, quote, cannot knowingly give an implied or direct endorsement of anything that violates the Holy Scripture, the foundation for our sincerely held beliefs. And at the same time, the college recognizes everyone is created in the image of God and should be afforded the dignity of kindness. So PCC said that they canceled the concert with the King's Singers upon learning that one, and I've read that they're are probably two, artists openly maintained a lifestyle that contradicts Scripture. And then it, uh, the, the, the Singers Group Tour, by the way, of North America continues. Uh, the King Singers, they've got concerts in Canada, and they say, quote, we look forward to seeing our friends in northern Florida soon, and again in Canada, in a context where we are celebrated for who we are, as well as the music we make. But I want to give kudos to Pensacola Christian college in this day and age that takes bravery that's very difficult to do to do the right thing to stand up for your christian beliefs and biblical principles so thank you guys um coming up friday we've got john haller prophecy update uh todd nettleton voice of the martyrs on thursday but tomorrow we are going to give you a treat we are going to re-air a podcast with mary danielson the one before she became co-host on Stand Up for the Truth. I interviewed her, and we talked about lurching to the left, not just the church, or not just the world, but even the church. And uh, that's our replay tomorrow. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in, for sharing the podcast.
God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.